just pray you'd have your way in us. Lord, help us to be used by you. Help us be faithful to you. Lord, just use us. Use us, Lord. Use us to further your kingdom. Lord, let your will be done. Your kingdom come. Let it come through us. Lord, just help us to be faithful to you. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I remember what I was thinking about. Isn't that awful when you, you know, it's like something. And you know what the worst part is? I wrote it down. I wrote it down. But anyway. Um, Danny and Carol Lamb are going to be leaving us and moving to southern Indiana. Denny is back in the corner back there. He plays the guitar. And uh, Denny and Carol, they, they're going to be moving down to right along the Ohio River in the southwest corner of Indiana. It wouldn't be so bad if it was the southeast corner, but it's the southwest corner of, of Indiana. So <laughs> uh, they, they, they're going to be moving to a home down there, a beautiful home and um, family, right? Family there. So, so anyway, so uh, we just want to we just want to pray and, and uh, bless them. That's why I don't do this stuff. You know, it's like no, I'm just gonna pretend they're just leaving. And everybody will say, "Where did they go?" And I go, "I don't know." No. So now we're gonna pray for them. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, we thank you for Danny and Carol. We thank you, Lord, for all that they've done and for being a part of us for this time. And Lord, we just ask you to bless them. Lord, just be with them. Just uh, give them a safe trip as they travel and move. And, and Lord, just help them to continue to be faithful to you. Lord, they would just... Uh, they would just do your will, help them to find a church where they can worship and serve. Lord, we just thank you for that. Thank you for being with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Whew. Made it through that. Okay. Uh, you know, that's one of the things, you know, a lot of times, you know, for a lot of you, let me just say this, for a lot of you, you know, you avoid that stuff because that's not, like, I'm not going to do that. Well, you know, we we need to do it. And we need to bless people, and we need to, you know, um, not everything's fun, you know. Uh, this isn't terrible, but you know, it's not fun. You know, I hate to see people leave, but we need to bless them and, and uh, just thank God for them. And so, so we just need to do it. Okay, I want to talk today about guilt. Um, you know, how does guilt make you feel? Well, you know, it depends. I don't know, you know, I don't know about your children, but you know, some children, some children, when they do something, you just look at them, you know, they did something. They just feel guilty. You know, you can just tell by looking. And some of them go, I didn't do that. They, you can't tell. They have no, they, they just, I'm not guilty, you know. And so we're all different. We're all different about how we are sensitive to guilt or how we approach guilt. You know, for some people, some adults, it's like they aren't they don't feel guilty about anything. You know, the Bible says you can harden your heart. You know, that this choice, you know, you can harden your heart to the point that you don't feel guilty. You know, you, you don't you just have no guilt feelings at all. Now, that's a terrible place to be. A terrible place to be 
as a as a, a as a person because God has to do a lot to get through to that person. You know, he has to get, do a lot to get to that person's heart. But for a Christian, it's our desire to obey God's word and to do his will. So when we sin, we should feel guilt. That's a good thing. Guilt's a good thing. You know, when you sin, you feel guilty. God's spirit convicts our spirit. You know, we're stirred. We just don't feel right. And so the Holy Spirit convicts us. Then we ask for forgiveness. And we receive his forgiveness. But if we, what happens when we don't get guilt dealt with? When we aren't forgiven? When we carry that guilt around? When we walk in guilt? You know, some people walk in that. Now, I realize I said before, you know, some people are hardened to it. There are some who are hardened to it. And then there are some that just refuse to repent. And so they walk around feeling guilty. Some people feel a false sense of guilt. Some people can't receive God's forgiveness, and so they feel guilty. They feel guilty. They feel like, oh, I'm always guilty. Some people just have that, that thought process. Or maybe they think what I did was too bad. God can't forget me, forgive me. There's times when people say, well, you know, I'm, I just, it was too bad. God can't forgive me. If we walk in guilt, it'll begin to control our thoughts. It'll, be, it'll begin to just control your thoughts and what you're thinking about. It'll work on your confidence. You know, if you really feel like you're guilty all the time, it'll start to affect your confidence in who you are. And you, you won't feel like I'm anybody. It affects your self-image. It affects your self-image. I'm not worth anything. I'm no good. I'm no good. Sometimes we become defensive. You know, we can start to defend our behavior. We can start to defend the fact that I'm no good. We get kind of defensive and feisty about it. We don't have any confidence. If you don't have confidence, you get defensive. Sometimes we can try to hide from God. I've watched, I've watched people, sometimes when people feel guilty, they'll try to hide from God. and They'll also quit coming to church. In their mind, they must think that God's here. So I can't go to church because that's where God is because I'm trying to hide from him. Or I don't want to be around other people and have other people find out that I have this guilt, that I've done it. And it can be, like I said, it can be because you actually have done something or it can be because you think you're always guilty. You know, it can be a, a very negative, a negative concept. Guilt affects us emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Forgiveness is the only answer for guilt. Forgiveness is the only answer for guilt. God's forgiveness. It's the only answer. You know, God doesn't want us to keep on feeling guilty. He might want us to feel guilty to come to him and ask for forgiveness. Once he's forgiven us, he doesn't want us to feel guilty. Because, you know, the Bible says he forgives us and our sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. And he doesn't remember no more. You know, he doesn't. I can remember. You can remember, but God doesn't remember. Isn't that something? That when he forgives us, he doesn't remember. Oh, if we could do that. Oh, if I could do that. Oh, if I could forget, you know. 
Because sometimes we'll say, well, I can forgive, but I'll never forget. Now, what I notice is I can forgive and forget. And I can get to the place that I can hardly remember something ever happened. But if I sit down with somebody and I start trying to recollect and we start working on that, well, we can bring it right back up if we work at it. You know, I don't have that ability like God to just forgive and forget and it goes away. But I have the ability not to think about it and to let it go, to let it go. That when God forgives me, I need to let it go. Sometimes the hardest person to forgive is yourself. Sometimes that's the hardest is forgive yourself. You know, I can believe God forgives me, but I have a hard time forgiving myself. And so I want to look at Psalms 32. Psalms 32 is is a, a psalm that David wrote. And it's a psalm of forgiveness, the joy of forgiveness. My Bible calls it the joy of forgiveness. Psalms 32, beginning at verse 1. It says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Bless. Don't you feel blessed when you're forgiven and you know you're forgiven? Don't you feel blessed when you're in right standing with God? You can stand before God, not perfect, but forgiven forgiven that god has forgiven me you that's that is such a such a good feeling that's why kids when kids do something not all kids but a lot of kids when they do something what do they say if you if you're a parent that disciplines your child what do they say if they've done something wrong i've had you know please please just go ahead and spank me get it over with because i know i'm going to feel good and it'll all be over once you do that what are they saying they saying i admit i did it do what you got to do, and then I can feel forgiven because that's where I want to end up. I mean, you know, they kind of get it after a while, the process, you know. And they go, I want to get there. I want to get there. Because, you know, like, like David says, you know, blessed is he whose sin is forgiven. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity in whose spirit there is no deceit. You know, when we're forgiven, we're blessed. We're blessed. And we praise God for that. You know, that's a place we want to be is forgiven. That's a place we want to stay is forgiven. And so we realize that that's what we want. In verse 3 and 4, it says, When I kept silent, my, bo- my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. It says, When I kept silent. When I, when I didn't ask for forgiveness. When I, didn't, when I didn't do that, he said, my bones grew old. My gro- I groaned all day long. Why? Because things aren't right. Things aren't right. You know when things aren't right, you just don't feel right. You just don't feel right. Things just aren't right. And, and he says, day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. That was God's conviction. You know, when the Holy Spirit convicts, his hand was heavy upon us. You know, you, you can almost, you almost feel that. God's hand was heavy upon me in my sin. I, I, I knew I didn't, I knew what I needed to do, but I just couldn't quite do it. I always feel bad for people that, 
you know, they, they know they need forgiven, but they just can't quite come to the point of asking God to forgive them. Or I feel bad for people that can't come to church because, well, I've done these things in my life, and as soon as I get my life cleaned up, I'll come. It'll never happen. You don't, you, you don't have the capacity to clean yourself up. And if you do, if you think you can do that, you didn't get the job done. Because the Holy Spirit's the one that convicts us of sin. And, and until we accept God's forgiveness and what he's done for us, that heavy hand is still upon us. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. You know, you just, you kind of lose your desire for life. You just lose that, that desire for life and that vitality. It says, I, I lost that. And then in verse in verse 6 and 7, in verse, excuse me, in verse 5, he says, I acknowledge my sin to you. And my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. I got to the point where I acknowledged my sin. You know, I acknowledged my sin. I said, this is what I've done. I acknowledge my sin. You know, we, we just admit it. We admit it. This is what I did. This is where I missed it. I acknowledged my sin. I didn't hide from God anymore. I confessed. And he forgave the iniquity of my sin. He forgave me. He forgave me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess, we have to confess. Then he is faithful and he forgives us. And then in 6 and 7, he says, For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall come, and they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. David says, you know, now that, Lord, you forgive me, I can come to you. You're my hiding place. You're my hiding. What does that mean, a hiding place? I don't know about you, but it appears to me, and I think more and more, everybody ought to have a hiding place. You know, when the floods and the fires come around us and everything stirs, and everything goes on around us, and we just feel like we're in a world of chaos. And in the midst of that, God says, you know, I'll be your hiding place. Come to me. Come to me. Trust me. Let me take care of you. Let me take care of you. A place of security. And we can come there when our sins are forgiven. When we know we're in right standing with God, we can come to him. And in verse 8, he says, I will instruct you and teach you in a way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with a bit and bridle, else they would not come near you. He says, you know, God wants to instruct us. He wants to show us. He wants to guide us. He wants to direct us. God wants to direct our lives. He wants to show us the way. And he says, don't be like the horse that needs a bit and a bridle. You know, don't, don't be like the one that has to be tied down and, and uh, led, forced to go. 
But be the one that says, Lord, show me. And how does he say he'll guide us? He'll guide us with his eye. How does that happen? Well, I think that happens when we look to him. When we look to him and we trust him. He just guides us with his eye. He shows us the way through his word, through other people. Sometimes what goes on around us, sometimes I believe the Lord directs our steps. The steps of righteous man are ordered by the Lord. I think sometimes he guides us and we don't even know it. He directs our steps. And I think that when that happens, we look back and we go, oh, look what the Lord did. Oh, that's why I did this. That's why I went here. That's why this happened. That's why that happened. I didn't realize it because he was directing my steps when I didn't even ask sometimes. He'll guide us. I believe he wants that to be a very easy situation. He wants us to have that relationship with him so that we can we can allow him to guide us and direct us. Verse 10 says, many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. I think I've lived long enough to see that come true. You know, there's a point in life when you're just like, well, maybe it seems like the wicked are doing pretty good. You know, it seems like, seems like they're, you know, those people that don't know the Lord, seem like they're doing okay. I believe I've lived long enough to see that, you know, they may look like they're doing okay, but they're not. Now, because what we do is we measure that by the outside, what we see. But then we find out that they're lonely, hurting, that they may have things, but they're really not happy. They don't know the joy of the Lord. And you begin to see it. Wow. You know, it's not, it's not as good as what it looked. You know, the wicked, there's sorrows. There's a lot of sorrows to the wicked. Sometimes it comes quickly upon them. Sometimes it comes quickly, the sorrow of the wicked. But it says, you know, he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Mercy shall surround him. God's mercy towards us. God's mercy towards us. And verse 11 says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous. Shout for joy, you upright in heart. How can we be glad in the Lord, rejoice in him, shout for joy, be upright in heart, only if you're forgiven? Only if you're forgiven. Because when we're forgiven, then we have a relationship with him. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us. And when we're forgiven, then we have relationship with him. Then we can know him. We can rejoice in him. We can be glad. We can shout for joy. All you are of upright in heart. Not perfect. You know, God doesn't say, well, you know, you can't. You got to be perfect. He knows we're not. He knows we're not. But he also knows when we're obedient and desire to please him. When we really, that's my desire, is to please him and be obedient to him and his word, what he said. That I do what he wants. And when I fail, then I come to him and ask him for forgiveness. And then when I ask him for forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then we're right. We're right with him. Doesn't matter what we've done. Doesn't matter. 
We're right with him. We're forgiven. Like I say, sometimes that's really hard to just accept. To just accept that. Sometimes we beat ourselves up over that. It's important to know when we're forgiven, then we have no guilt. We can live guilt-free. You can only live guilt-free if you're forgiven. But what a great thing. What a thing to rejoice in to know when you're forgiven. When you can stand right with God. And, you know, look him someday face to face. You know, when, when people think about that time when we'll all stand before him and look at him and talk to him face to face, you know. I think everybody has a sense and everybody should have a sense of holiness of God. And there's a part of us, I think all of us should be like, wow, wow. But I think there's a part of us that says, you know what? I know I'm going to stand forgiven because of what Jesus did for me. That I'm cleansed by his blood. The price he paid. That's like that's when we, t- we take communion. Now, the communion doesn't make that happen. You know, communion isn't some magic thing that, well, once a month we carry all our sins up here and we somehow, God just kind of waves a magic wand over all of us and we're all forgiven. It's not a magic wand. When we come, we acknowledge and we come to him and we say, Lord, I acknowledge who you are and I acknowledge my need for forgiveness. My need for forgiveness. Lord, forgive me. You know, cleanse me. Show me if there's things that I need to do to ask for forgiveness for. And he, then he is faithful and just. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we come to him. You don't have to wait till the first of the month. You know, you can come to him anytime. It just, the first of the month we do it together, it's a reminder. But we need to come to him at any time and say, Lord, you know, I failed. Acknowledge your sin. And Lord, forgive me. And then receive his forgiveness. Then walk in that relationship with him. Let's all stand. Lord, we just thank you for the love that you have for us. The Lord, when we didn't deserve it, you sent your son to die on a cross to shed his blood to pay the price for our sin. Lord, help us to see, to see the greatness of that love and that we can accept that and share in that love and that we can allow you to cleanse us from all our sin. The Lord, we can't do it. We can't do enough good things. We can't be good enough to be able to warrant and deserve your forgiveness. But Lord, just help us to receive that. Just acknowledge our sin, to ask you to forgive us and to receive your forgiveness and to walk in your truth and in your word. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for your love for each and every one of us. Lord, we just ask you to dismiss us now with your blessing. We just pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.